Welcome to For the Life of Me podcast, where I share musings and perspectives on how we really, truly live a life divine in a world with so much uncertainty and so much trauma happening everywhere we turn. How do we continue to find the energy to create, envision, and experience a brighter day? I'm Julie Pyatt, your host. Hey, Podcast Tribe, beautiful, beautiful cosmic family. Thank you so much for joining me across the multiverse. Such a powerful, powerful way of communing and connecting, especially during these times of quarantine and seclusion. I'm welcoming my podcast producer, Joe Peace, to join me here today. Hello. Hi. I've been wanting to share a little bit today. I wanted to talk about the biggest subject in a human life, the subject of death. So it's usually our avoidance of this subject that causes us to make decisions, maybe in unconscious ways, maybe be in denial, act like it's never going to happen to us or our loved ones. And if you're like me, in my community in this past week, death has been visiting pretty regularly in many, many different variations of life expression, beloved humans ranging from 18-year-old children to guests on my husband's podcast to a brother of a very dear friend of mine and also really dear friend of my own brother's and seem to be very sudden exits for very bizarre reasons and a lot of unknown underlying conditions. And then as well, the many, many, many humans who have departed during this time due to COVID or experiences related to COVID. And this has brought this opportunity of death so present it's as if we are not being allowed to deny its existence or to pretend as if it will never uh, happen to any of us or our loved ones or to medicate out on TV shows or addictions of normal life, I guess. And so right now I'm feeling very raw and very vulnerable in the human experience of this, although knowing that this is a moment in history or in the timeline where we are at a crossroads, we are at a turning point in the possibility of the type of world we could create. And I was reflecting on how can I be of the highest service in a time that is full of so much constriction and so much challenging life experiences. And it brought me to the design and the reason that I created my spiritual mentorship program, Water Tiger. I really feel like the greatest thing each one of us can do is to spend the time to know ourselves. And that no matter what happens, no matter what reality appears, if we've taken that time to really find out who we are, gaze at ourselves deeply, and then face our fears, 
with all of the courage that we have, understanding that life is fragile, this constriction can start to provide a framework, or at least I would say a clarity in what would be the best way for each of us to live a meaningful life. So Joe, I just talked forever and just, <laughs> so I don't know if any of what I just said has ignited any curiosity within you. It's incredible that you've come to me with this today because, and you don't even know this, I haven't had a moment to share it with you. And to be quite honest, Pilar, my wife and I haven't really felt like it was appropriate to share it at all. But last weekend, we witnessed a terrible, terrible drowning, an accident very, very close to us. I won't say where we were or give any further details because the young man's name has not yet been released, but we were, we were right there. And I had never seen anything like that in all my life, and neither has Pilar. And we've been wondering all week how you can experience a death, and a senseless death. It really was. There was nothing we could do. There was nothing anyone could do. It was just a horrible, horrible accident, a catalogue of tiny errors, nobody's fault. How can you witness something like that and grow and learn from it? Oh, my goodness. I'm just sending you so much love and, and feeling this depth. I, I actually have first-hand experience in this same type of exit with a friend of mine, one of my best friends, whose child drowned when he was four years old. This was a irreconcilable, unchangeable, like it is the type of event that brings you to your knees and this is what the death passage is. It cannot be controlled. It cannot be reversed. It cannot be resolved through positive thinking. There's no words. There's no explanation that I feel can answer to a mother who has lost her child. And then we could extend that also into the animal realm of mothers and babies in the sentient realm. And this is the the moment that I think we're on the, we're sitting in it. And the only thing to do is to expand the perspective and really use these experiences to awaken a deeper understanding of what life really is. And it's extremely challenging in a realm where so many of us have been raised to believe that this is it, you know, lights out, you're just gone, it's over forever. And this is not my awareness. And this is the, I'd say, fruits of cultivating a, a life of spiritual seeking and remembering is coming to the awareness that life is eternal. And that we live many, many, many lifetimes in many, many, many different time, space, locations, realms, and that this particular realm is often called earth school. And so we come into this density of constriction for the purpose of evolution. And so as I feel into your depth of feeling and reverence that you have around this act 
and you said senseless, right? And and I completely am with you because uh, when my friend's child drowned, we traced it back, and it was like if one of those things that happened that day hadn't happened, he wouldn't have drowned. It was literally like just a series, like you just described it so perfectly, a series of events or situations that led to a certain outcome. And when I had this relationship with the mother of this beautiful boy, I experienced it very viscerally, very firsthand with her. And I felt it cruel and even asked creation to give me some of her pain because it was going to break her. What I learned through that experience is that in my immaturity, I had taken some of her experience on, and yet the greater awareness is to respect her and respect her child for the experience that they had chosen at some, some higher level. Of course, we can understand that in the personality, but at some greater level that there is some plan of the life and some choice of experience. And instead of making it a tragedy, instead of summarizing this experience as a loss, something that is irreconcilable or unimaginable, to honoring them by their choice of sacred moment and saying, I trust that this is the highest divine alignment. Now, that doesn't mean that the other people in the group also have an experience from it. I mean, obviously, you're being activated into some level of expansion. One of the reasons why I have been a spiritual seeker or one that was always looking for what happened beyond this realm and the idea of Growing up, falling in love, having some kids, getting a station wagon, driving around and going to the movies, it just wasn't enough for me. It just didn't feel like that was really it. Like that just couldn't be the meaning of life. And so in these very uh, profound moments uh, when you can't, you can't talk your way out of it, you can't resolve it, you can't make it go away, you can't fix it it rendered me and does render me on my knees in reverence, in reverence to this force that is the great life that is breathing through each one of us. So on the one hand, you know, I teach embodying your best life. And I believe that if we take the time to know ourselves and really face this fear of death, which is sitting right there, it's underneath every single aspect of what it means to be human. Every fear, every addiction, every imbalance, it's the fear of death that's sitting there. But if we can be brave enough to face our own death and to understand the fragility of human life, the privilege of human life, and the divinity of every type of human life, not just the types of human life that we like or that are pleasing to us, but if we can recognize everything is divine, it empowers us into a greater knowledge and a greater awareness. If we don't transcend our fear of death and this illusion that 
we only have these days on earth and then that's it, it's lights out. That fear of death has a potential to make us be controlled. And so there is a freedom in understanding that the human being is an eternal life form, that the death program is only in this realm, not in the many other points of life where we exist. And so within this realm, we have to rise up and take responsibility for our own lives in creating or calling forth the life we wish to experience, in saying no to agencies, to individuals who seek to control our lives. So how can we step closer to our own death and get comfortable with it? I think it's in using the fragility of life or the impermanence as a tool of awareness. So as you go through your day, you keep your awareness both places with Joe and Pilar and your beautiful animals on the couch watching some TV show, but the awareness is on the greater being. So you start to acknowledge the presence of something beyond your personality that is there always. And in the beginning, it can be quite exhausting to <laughs> really do this. You wouldn't be able to do it for that long and really hold it. But after a while, it comes in sort of as the witness, and it's there, it's, it's present. Another way would be through a dedicated yoga practice, a mindfulness practice, or a practice of awareness because you're in the asana. So you're in a maybe a very challenging yoga pose, that usually it's asking you to both stretch and be stable and then relax into that. And when you do that enough and your body's in these asanas or postures, you kick into this merging with your breath and suddenly you contact something that is beyond your personality. And it starts to be like a little witness that's there. And then you always have that kind of attention, that kind of awareness. I think many of us are going to find that the activities that we used to go to, to check out, are going to be inadequate at this time. Because in the face of what you've experienced, it's so, it's so not high enough. It's so not meaningful enough. And so this is where a lot of the discomfort is coming because without the ability to turn away from death, you know, it's usually like, oh, that happened across the world. That's in another country or that happened to another family. It's uh, easy to compartmentalize. But I feel at this moment, I mean, the amount of individuals that we know that are either in very extreme situations of suffering or have transitioned. It's a demarcation point, and, and I've known this. It's a moment of us moving into creating a new world, to create a world of divinity. This is our moment. The other part of that moment is the constriction of this very intense energy that comes with any birth. You know, with the birth in this realm, there is pain and struggle. And the forces that don't want us to remember that we are empathic, loving, compassionate, amazing beings 
humans are humane. We have the capacity for so much more than we understand. And those energies seek to divide us. So they want us to be called out and separated and they want to label one group right and one group wrong. They want to separate us. But our mission, and you and I talked about it a lot in the last podcast on animal rights, was to see the beauty and diversity, all living things, all experiences. And if we can stay in neutrality after you've traveled into the horror and grief and anguish of losing someone or experiencing a death, after you fully express that and go through that, to arrive transcending through the experience, an awakening, an expansion, and the opportunity to embody a higher perspective. So everything becomes sacred. I have to say that this young man has already been an architect of my evolution in my life. I've pressed go on all the things that I was hesitating on, you know? And I've been thinking too a lot about how death is represented and treated in different cultures. I'm exceedingly British and I don't think we do it very well. There are cultures all over the world that celebrate, that have a completely different way of supporting people in their passing, and I love that. Well, I mean, I think, yes, that would be typically British. Uh, it would also <laughs> be many, many other cultures. Many of us in the modern world are just, we've completely forgotten how to die, or how to assist somebody in dying, or what to do when somebody dies. Most of us don't know what to say. We don't know how to act. We don't know what steps to take. It's a very ridiculous state that we are all in when it's a passage that all of us will go through. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's not intelligent when you think about it. Like there should be all kinds of tools. And yet it's this very sort of elusive thing because we live in a society where we amplify shopping, drug addiction, anything to turn your mind away or your consciousness away from this very sacred passage, which we all will go through. So the kind of energy that we send our loved ones makes a big difference in the way they transition. And there is trauma that happens in accidents. It's not all a bed of roses, just like when you give birth to a baby, it's not all a bed of roses. It's varied, a very individual experience. And as fellow humans, we can be more impactful when we can offer energy thoughts of support and of gratitude and recognition and reverence for our beloved human family as being divine, as having meant something, as having mattered. And we can wish them the highest flight, the highest experience, and the safe passage into their next realm, their next level of existence. It's extraordinary because I always presumed that my first close contact with death would be the death of my mother, who is and has been since I was 14 years old, chronically ill and has 
survived the most inexplicable things she's managed to survive, the cancers she's come through. She's still here. She's still rocking. I've spent a lot of time in hospitals. We've had some very, very, very hard times over the years. She's a tricky person. And I always thought it would be mum. And last weekend, it was an absolute stranger. But we choose to use it as a reminder of, as you say, the fragility and the precious nature of life. To stop mucking around and get on with things. Exactly. I'm smiling as you're telling me this because my mom is 92 and, you know, she's still kicking. She's completely fine. Um, So I guess this is the point. What I wanted to just say is that you can't define it. You can't schedule it. You can't predict it. You cannot confine it, this frequency of death transition. It doesn't make any sense. It's not like along a trajectory. Like, you know, you have all this history with your mom. And so, you know, you have a good idea in your mind how it's going to go. And she's going to go first. And the truth of the matter is she could be here way beyond you or me. I suspect and she might be. She just, exactly. With my mom hanging out, maybe we should connect them. Yeah. So it's not definable. And one of the things that's also intense about this time is that, you know, if you're on Twitter, it's like they're just numbers of deaths. And what's been impossible for everyone to cover is the human stories of all these family members. There's much less time devoted to the stories of the people in their lives because it's just at such a high volume. I wonder if we should wrap up with the really interesting writing prompts that you gave us during one of the Water Tiger calls recently to share with you if you're not a member of Water Tiger, come join us, which was when you asked us to write our obituaries. Do you remember? Yeah, I remember. Definitely, we can do that. One of the really powerful techniques in facing your death would be to do a writing exercise. Sitting down and taking the time to really write your own obituary. So if it was you who had transitioned and you had fulfilled your life mission, what would be the experiences, the relationships, the emotions, the achievements, the legacy, the gifts, the creativity, the love that you would have liked to have left behind? It is a privilege to be alive, and we're feeling this now more than ever. And so you are the one you've been waiting for. There's no one else coming, and there's no one else who is more relevant than you are. Your life is about you and you, and your connection to consciousness is about you and you. My journey into self-realization will look entirely different from yours, from Joe's, each one of us completely unique in creation. There is no consensus. There is only a symphony of diversity. We must connect with the truth of who we are, recognize all beings as divine, and be able to hold neutral loving compassion for all life, understanding that there are only two forces in the world, fear and love. We must decide which force we want to serve. And I know that if you're listening to this podcast, that you are one of the tribe that came here to serve love. 
And so now is the time. And I want you to know that even if no one else believes in you, that I believe in you to find your way into living your most expansive life. How could it be otherwise? You are a divine emanation of God. And so until next time, I'm sending you so much love and grace and beauty and reverence for our entire human family. Namaste. Namaste.